Welcome to the Designated Drinker Show, the podcast that's raising the bar on craft cocktails. I am your host, Louise Sullis, and with me, as always, is my very talented friend, my very own little flaky croissant, <laughs> the Mixtress DC Gina. <laughs> a croissant? Yeah, a little flaky one. Yeah, like fat in the middle, a little bit on the yeah, ends, crispy on the ends. Delicious. It goes with everything. Layers of butter. You put like chocolate or butter, savory. It goes with everything. Right. See, see, see. Well, I, I, I feel like I know where this is going today, Louise. You might, you might. I don't know. It's going to take a little. Is there like a pate smear on there somewhere? Yeah, there could be. There could be. But did you know that the concept of Paris, as the concept as we know it today, was actually born in Gail Paris? That's where the concept was actually founded. Um, but unfortunately, it was founded during a rebirth of Paris, and it all quickly came to an end. And the reason why is because they were in the middle of the Franco Prussian War. So he told you this is going somewhere you never yeah, thought it would go. No. And the Allied German forces surrounded Paris and proceeded to stay there for four and a half months. And so by doing that, they basically they closed off all the food routes, all the supply routes into Paris. So they're going to wait them out, right? So what do people do when they can't get food? each other well in Paris they pretty much <laughs> went ahead and ate every animal in the city every ah. horse dog cat rat porcupine you name it they ate it all oh. and the crazy thing on Christmas Day of 1870 a very famous restaurant which apparently no longer exists that catered to the wealthy because obviously the wealthy are the only ones who are now getting real proteins well they offered up a fine Christmas dinner made of with the only the finest selection of meats harvested from where you ask from the zoo they ate all the animals in the zoo Whoa. Yeah, including the two like famous elephants, apparently. And unfortunately, when after they killed the two elephants, the siege ended two weeks later. Crazy. I know, you're speechless. Absolutely speechless. Okay, so... But here's the moral of the story. That basically, Paris obviously can make anything taste good. <laughs> and they're crazy enough to eat it. <laughs> And so, and the other crazy, crazy thing about that, if you think about it, is that many of the dishes that were developed and invented in these temples of fine food dining that are in Paris, the way we see them, uh, uniquely actually served zoo animals at one point, but are now still emulated worldwide. See? It's interesting. Very kooky, huh? Kooky, I mean, kooky. Yeah. So how does that? How does the siege of 1870 of Paris have anything to do I with today's designated? I'm ready, drinker. Well, it's pretty much the opposite. It's the exact opposite of what he would do, because <laughs> he is the executive chef and butcher of Red Apron. His name is Nathan Anda, and he also takes his meat very seriously. Wow. What do you think of that, Nate? I don't know. I fell asleep. <laughs> you didn't like the history lesson today? You lost me an elephant. I, I, I kind of stopped right there for a second thinking, God, right? An elephant? Like, that's when you said that. I was like, like I thought you were going to, like, stuff it into sausage. And, like, you made a good point, though. I mean, the Parisians are good at making everything taste good. Yeah. So you probably didn't even think about it. Like, they probably didn't say it's like, you have a filet of elephant. It's like, here's your soup. Actually, like, you know with what? A good name to it. You yeah. know what I did find is actually there were menus that were posted and I and I'll share them on when we push this episode out. It actually shows like what they cooked. Like there was one that was um, a stuffed donkey head and it, they thought it served cold with radish and butter. I don't know. Anyway, That's... so please Nathan, can we can you please Wait, I will I will say something. I love radishes and butter by the way with a little bit of salt. So the, uh, thank God for the French for that. French, right? The French <laughs> cuisine. Yes, yeah. That's one of my favorite things ever. And it should be served in every bar, everywhere, and every in all the world. If okay, that's then. It's kind of Indiana Jones's right there. It's like chilled monkey brains. Yes. Like in Temple of Doom. Yeah. Chilled donkey head with a side of radishes. Yeah. So um, let's let's clear this shit up that I just threw out there, Nathan. <laughs> please. Let's make yes. Let's have a shot. Let's also shot. confirm that Nathan does not con- does not condone the consumption of zoo animals. <laughs> so. <laughs> Do not invite Nathan to Zufari. <laughs> Cheers. Woo, a little mezcal to wash it down. <laughs> but what is your approach? What is, obviously, Sam's zoo animals? 
I think one of the funnest parts about what I do is like knowing exactly where your food comes from and starting from, I guess, the whole animal and you know the pride that the farmer takes from raising that animal all the way to it getting to you and then being able to uh, present it at its best, use every aspect of it, uh, kind of going back on what you were talking about, although it's not a zoo animal, but it's uh, finding an outlet for every single piece just to like besides the marketability of it or the making money off it it's also just to show the respect to the animal and the farmer it's awesome yeah like i said the exact opposite of the mess that i made opening the show (laughs) so i have a question for you so you know you know now you're in restaurants and everything like that and everything's happening and people are opening and opening and opening i find it alarming how many restaurants open and they don't care where their proteins are coming from or what they're feeding their guests because it's about the bottom line, the dollar, this, you know. And, like, how, how do you, you know, so, right, but how do you get the message? I, I think as a chef, as a person, like, you, it's got to start with you to get the message across. It's a very hard message to get across. I mean, people grow up eating things. They don't like being told that what they grew up eating is not okay or... Yeah. Um, And so it's like finding the right way to present it. Like having, like, it's it's really hard to explain because that's something that we battled with from day one with Red Apron. It's, uh, we know that the product that we get and what we're presenting is superior. You know, it's like starting from a quality source and then building off of that as opposed to buying something out of a bag and making something out of it and then charging a large amount like ours comes in expensive from the get-go so when it comes down to what we're doing it's like our price is already a little more expensive and that's where our messaging gets to come through it's because someone's going to be like why is this so much more expensive than when i get at a grocery store and that's where the messaging gets to be put out there like you know this animal is uh animal welfare approved and they're like what's animal welfare approved it's, uh, well, what it's, is that? What does that mean? It's an organization that actually oversees the animal from start to finish. From like it has to uh, regulate the land, make sure it's good for these animals to raise on. It has to. It's it's basically the only organization that sees the animal through from start to finish. From, wow. Uh, correct animal well, uh, animal husbandry, all the way from being born, how it's raised, and then all the way to the way it's processed and slaughtered and processed. So our pigs are animal welfare proof in North Carolina. They uh, they get bred and then they get to forage for a good amount of time and then they get processed and then I pick them up and we do everything to them from that point on. We so. say forage, they get to like um, roam? Is that they get ro- to hang out and eat twigs and berries and Be like a real stuff. animal yeah. and live. Oh, that's but awesome. That is amazing. I found that there's a lot of people that feed um, not feed them, but like uh, chest, like where chestnuts are come come from, they're great places to raise pigs. Is that true? I mean, nuts in general, it's fat. You know, it it's like. Uh, Does it get a nutty flavor? <laughs> it can. You know, that's the thing with uh, Iberian pigs is they they eat the acorns and that nuttiness comes across in their in their final flavor. But Educate us. What's Iberian pig mean? Blackfoot. Okay. I'm oh. just making sure. Do are those bo- are those are, where do they? They're in Spain. Area? Only in Spain. Yeah. yeah. But well, we have to make sure the listener knows. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you don't want to feed them only nuts. You know, it's like feeding me French fries. I can't just eat fatty French fries all the time. <laughs> Wait, I, like, I, I, I could. Wait, what? But then I take this out, this belly that I'm carrying with me. <laughs> but you know, you can have a high fat diet if they're. I mean, by foraging, they're working for that food. They're running around finding what's good, like what they want to eat. Um, when you have these animals that are raised in captivity you know they don't build their muscles they're standing in one spot and they're eating and eating and eating you know if you uh i mean if if i mean we've seen what it looks like when a human just sits there and eats and doesn't move i mean it, yeah. you lose all your no, muscles. i'm not looking good i'm not looking good today i'm kidding i'm kidding you look lovely so you know it's, it's as you speak nathan you actually have a lot in common with Gina because I, the respect for the animal the respect for the food is it's Kind of the same approach you have well, for cocktails. Let's back up. Nate's older than me, just huh? in case everybody needs to know that. What? Um, and no, I'm just kidding. I we're not supposed to talk about present day. Hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> so, I I was fortunate enough to meet Nate as my boss. 
So he was a. Oh. He was a so I really look at Nate. That's I have a, a loose term. Boss. No, it's true. I I have very I have people that I really call mentors and people that, like guided me into different spaces. And I've I mentioned Nate on the show before, but now you have like the listener gets to really hear like who he is. Yep. You know. I had a good skill set when I came to Nate, but, like, he refined my skill set and then showed me a lot of things that I didn't understand, like, what I was doing. Like, yeah. I didn't know how to make the things I t- technically wanted to make, and I also had no respect for the person that went out and, at that time, you know, sat and picked me the most prettiest, you know, radishes and garnishes and how long it actually took or string beans or things that I just, for, just thought you just order and the farm truck shows up. And, you know, I always use really good stuff, but I never thought about, like, Oh, so you have to go stand in this field and get it, right? You have to you have to do this. The amount of work it takes to get that. The amount of you know people, and I trust me if I'm wrong, but I don't think I don't I don't think they realize, you know, from start to finish, you know, a string bean takes 84 days, so you have to make a seedling. It has to Crazy. grow. I thought it was 80 days. It's and then 84. you go to it is 84 <laughs> days actually, and then you have a mature string bean, right? then that's like in the best optimal things right so then someone has to cut that string bean and like you're like okay so I get this how long does it take you know actually I don't even know this what is the growth rate for an animal well, I know what I know what salmon is I, mean, I think you plan on 8 to 12 months for a pig you know it's uh, same with a cow um, great I mean you want it to raise Eight longer 8 to 12 months you said for a pig yeah yeah uh, a little longer for a cow just because you're you don't want to, uh, a lot of times, cows are eating stuff to make them grow faster. Uh, the cows that we used don't do that. Uh, they're grass-fed, then grain-finished, so they feed on grass for about anywhere between 9 to 12 months. It really depends on when they're getting alive or when they're born. Uh, <laughs> due to time of year yeah because you know we're in Virginia it freezes you know so it's there's a certain amount of time that they have to be uh, wait your cows don't have like little coats and mittens earmuffs no I mean <laughs> I don't really want to talk about that just kidding no uh, yeah. no but you know it's the, when the ground is frozen it's they a don't great sponsorship opportunity folks <laughs> mittens you can't get them to eat you know yeah. my so cat has mittens did you ever see that episode of It's Always Sunny the cat with the mittens sorry I'm done alright sorry I'm done too no 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 yeah we probably have more mezcal no but uh, they don't eat as much when it's cold gotcha uh, so oh they're, they're not not like us where we just gorge yeah, ourselves. Yeah, we're not packing ourselves. Like, when it's cold, <laughs> we're eating heavy food. Uh, when when they're they're just not we're gonna, eating them. <laughs> yeah, true that. <laughs> so but, yeah, go ahead. Go sorry, ahead. No, I'm sorry. I was gonna say how how did you how did you No, we were fin- no, I wanted to finish the point. Oh, please yeah. go back. So I want to finish the point where you're saying like you know it's 12 months, right? So like you know the quality of what they're gonna get and like the, the actual humanity that goes into it like is really a message I think for chefs like yourself. It's, well, yeah, it's kind so of important, right? You know, cows are—they have a digestive system that doesn't naturally digest corn or other uh, other parts of a diet of of what, say, a feedlot is going to give these animals. So we want our our cows to have a natural diet of uh, grass and work for it. Um, that being said, just being in the area that we're in, like we need to help cows fatten up a little bit so for so we should give them some of Gina's bagels <laughs> that's, that's a good idea Every, everything bagels honestly I would give them everything bagels as long as they would like come in and do that that would be so good we could just have cows out here at suburbia which is where we all where we are today just so our listeners know where we are we're at Union Market and uh, sitting in the yard at suburbia it's a beautiful day having having cocktails it could only be better if we had like little baby piglets and cows and uh, mezcal clearly uh, yeah. So we'll have more of that. But so, uh, in, in order to get our cows to fatten up a little bit, so the last uh, 90 days they are uh, grain finished. So which gives them the opportunity to eat grass, but also give a chance to like kind of go and hang out and eat the other stuff that they're not used to eating. Oh, so. that's cool. So that's good, cool. I want to I ask you have a question on, on air. It's all you, Mama. Ready? What made you want to do this? Like, you didn't wake up and say, I'm going to be the chef that's going to change everyone's mind. 
So what made you like? What was your turning point? Everyone's a turning point. Where did that they, audacity come no, from? No, when you made the commitment. Yeah. When did it? When did it happen for you? A lot of it has to do with, uh, you know, when I went to culinary school, my favorite classes were the garmanger class, where you learn how to make pâtés and terrines, and then the butchery class, and then. When it comes down to it, those out of two years, so it's only like five or six weeks. You know, you don't really get to get everything out of it. So once I, I mean, you get a lot out of it. Don't get me wrong, but when when you go and work in restaurants, you don't really get to do a lot of that. And so it it was an interest of mine. It led to a lot of reading. And then when I got out of school, I went and worked at a restaurant, Equinox, in uh, downtown, right by the White House. And you got that that used really good proteins. Uh, I got to break down lambs and pigs and it was just naturally something I gravitated to. And then when I got the opportunity to open up my first restaurant, I wanted to not uh, have the same things that everyone else had. I wanted to give the respect to the farmer and so I made the mistake of going to the farmer's market and being like, I want a, I want a, I want a New York strip. And uh, the farmer was like, I can give you the New York strip. It's not, I can't give it to you now, but in order to get it, you have to get the whole hindquarter of beef. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. So I turned around, got on the phone, called the owner of the restaurant. I was like, hey, I want, I want to do this. And he's like, well, do you know what you're doing? And I was like, I, I, I think so. <laughs> and, and, and he was like, all right, go for it. And that's really where it all started was in like, November of 2004 of uh, going to a farmer's market, making the relationship with a certain farmer, and uh, blossomed into where I am. You know, eventually, four years later, it's what I did. It was like getting whole cows in, getting whole pigs, lambs. When you came on board, I remember we had the... It was whole. Uh, yeah. Ha- half cows and then whole yeah. pigs. Yeah. But, and you know, it's That was a lot, by the way, when you're first never, you're not like, ready to walk into a restaurant like that, and you walk into the walk-in because you need lemons, <laughs> and then something's looking at you, and you're looking at it, and you're like, okay, yeah. we're okay, we're all okay. But I think it's very interesting to the point that, you know, and you're like, what, where's the audacity to do this? But it, you actually did. I mean, it's having the confidence to step out there and do something different and, and really kind of lead, no pun intended, or all pun intended, the pack or the herd, into a new space. And that's yeah, well, definitely it's, it's, worth mentioning. I mean, that's probably one of the best parts about my, I guess, my experience is being able to work with somebody who had the same uh, beliefs as me and let me do these things. It's Michael, you know, Michael Babin, the principal of the Neighborhood Restaurant Group. He has the same ideals of what I do about uh, quality of ingredients, starting with the good thing and, and running with it. And it's a big investment, and you have to figure out how to make the money off it. I think, you know, there's a reason why hot dogs came about. There's a reason why sausages are what they are. You know, it's like, I think we spoke last week, uh, a, a cow is 800 pounds, ribeye is 40 pounds, between the two of them. And, Tenderloins will say 12 to 15 pounds, then New York strips, another 20. Then you got 700 other pounds. What are you going to do with it? You know? That's you what gotta, he told me how much was not part of, what you call it, the center cut? The yeah. prime cuts, the center prime plate cuts. proteins. Yeah, the yeah. Fact, like, I didn't realize how much weight there was. When he said that, I, you could have knocked me off my chair, which you probably have at least once or twice. I mean, the booze was involved at that point, right? <laughs> We've fallen off the chair, but like, <laughs> you know, I never, you know, I don't think at all the time that we've like spent together and talked, I never like realized just how much you deal with. That's like, you know, what are you going to do? Well, so, I mean, a lot of it, it's like, you got to forecast when you're, when you're in a restaurant, you know, I mean, that's how Eat Bar came about originally. It was like, center of the plate items like tenderloins and ribeyes and such could go to Tallulah and all the cool things that we were making we're going to the different bars bar. yeah. yeah that's awesome it's and just, then eventually it just became it consumed me you know <laughs> uh, like Gina said it would be funny you'd have a you'd walk in and there'd be like a cow on a cart you know literally cut into four pieces just literally hanging out like we're really you're in front of vegetables and uh it's the first lemons. time I've had beef ribs and they're delicious if you've never had beef ribs please have somebody make that for you one day in your life because they are honestly delicious. 
It's like you're in Fred Flintstone eating them because they're massive, <laughs> and you have to eat them just like that. But like, God, that's well. That's the un- other fun part about it. at that time. It was very primal. You know, it's like we didn't have big saws or anything to like cut something down. So it was really like a rib is. 18 inches. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not, uh, it's not like the nice meal. things that you get at a, at a grocery store that's meal. all like... I, I'm not kidding. Yeah. So for folks, for those of you who don't know, family meal at a restaurant is when the restaurant serves staff meal the yeah. staff, staff, staff is family meal. yeah, yeah. Their staff meal it's our family meal yeah, yeah. You're fa- you spend 12 hours with somebody every day five six days a week yeah <laughs> damn right that's your family man you are my sister oh, <laughs> I love that. Uh, so are we did, serious we never met and you're a sister i know uh, I, I, was from, I was from the other father oh and God. mother <laughs> so we have a frozen cocktail today yum all right so today we're doing something a little bit different. So we were at Suburbia and then we left frozen drinks and um, Nate is one of my all-time favorites. So he gets a copper, beautiful uh, coupe. Do I get to keep it? Yeah, you can keep it. Um, you can keep all of them. How's that? <laughs> you have a set at least. Yeah, so set is four. <laughs> I'll get you another one. So She might know somebody. <laughs> so, this is a, so this is a frozen, um, so this is um, oranges that were juiced with the rind. So they're a little bit pithy. Um, thank you. And then they're done with a little bit of um, just like a touch of ginger. And then we use vodka in there. And then it's finished with the Luxardo Amaro bitters. So they're, well, a Luxardo Amaro, it's not bitters, it's just bitter. And it's floated around it like an island, like a lost island, with just this little bit of green. And I, I mean, the whole thing kind of like, Nate, you're gonna laugh. I find him to be very sweet and endearing, and most people think that he's super bitter. So I kind of made it so totally, he was. I want to record of this. I, I love that. It's on it's record still, now. So, so I kind of made a floating sweet island with this bitter moat, and then when you get there, you know, you're. It's just, it's just kind of perfect together. Well, let's. Uh, I like cheers that. On cheers. Let's get a, let's get a little in there. And they're easy to make, so you can make them at home, right? Awesome. Oh, that's good. That is good. Oh, so there's, I like um, the pithiness of the orange. So that, I like um, the pithiness of Gina. The um, Amaro, this Luxardo Amaro that we're actually using, is actually really cardamom forward. So it gives you this really big, like, um, you know, like a flavor to it where you're like, you're not really sure where the spice is coming from. It's coming from that. So What is that again, Gina? It's um, Luxardo Amaro and it's a cardamom flavor, but it's not, what's funny is the Amaros aren't made with just cardamom. They have like, you know, 37 ingredients and um, they're always always a secret but the cardamom flavor in this one stands out and I really like it it's really delicious it's I like it's delicious. really good for the summertime so like if like you're gonna entertain in the summer and you want to add a little bit better and you maybe want to sub out with something like a Campari or an Aperol me. you could do that you're drinking it too fast and now my head hurts it's Let's Gina talking. The, it has nothing to do with the conversation. <laughs> Literally, the only person I'm going to allow to say that to me without being like, what the F? Um, I, uh, working with Gina has been amazing with me because, I mean, we started this relationship back in like 2007 or 8. Yeah. Um, and at that point, like the craft cocktail scene, it, it was there, but it just wasn't near me you know um and she really did introduce me like we we had a great working relationship because i think we both worked like she got to teach me things and i got to teach her things but uh like the cocktails that or the i guess the way that this industry has gone with gina as and in myself of we're in the same type of person in a way of quality of ingredient Mm -hmm. like you know just her talking about the amaro it's like that Amaro, it's a, it's a great product on its own, but you made it into a cocktail, and it has its own flavor, but you paired it with something, and that's what I do with meat. You know, it's like basically you let the meat speak for itself. It'll always have a, a supporting actor or actress <laughs> to it, yeah. but you're, you're really selling the quality of ingredient, which is something that has been made for hundreds of years, you know? but. My uh, flavor profile is right up in what she said, like bitter. And I remember when you were at PS7, it was like learning. I knew what uh, Negronis were, but they were always overly syrupy to me and never like proportioned out right. So I was like, no, I don't like them. Use a jigger. And then uh, (laughs) measure. 
and then going and having Gina make them, I was like, holy shit. Like, it, it really did. So that's funny. You and I have that in common. That's actually the first time I met Gina, and it had to do with, I had a friend who came to visit who had read about Gina in Gun and Garden or something. Yeah. Like Garden and those, Gun. Those Southern yeah. publications, by the way, I still love Garden, garden, garden but, and Gun. But so um, yeah, we no walked into PS7 and she was teaching bartenders how to make Negronis. Um, uh, and it was, she was like, you can hang out here if you want to. It's a bunch of industry folks. I'm like, absolutely. And my friend was so over, uh, like, over the moon about meeting you for the first time. It was great. That was kind of funny. But that was an amazing time. Like, like So when Nate... When I got when I had the privilege of like being every day with Nate, like it was an amazing time and just like my in in, in in beverage and food and the and the marrying of the two because the bar has always been the supporting actress of the restaurant, right? Yeah. So it has always been where the money comes from and but no attention was paid to it. And E Bar when I worked there was very special because it paid so much attention to the bar and what made the bar better. And then, and then out of that was born my first, not kidding, my first pairing where we took the cocktails and we made it into the food, we made the pairings with the food. And then from that... Do you remember that uh, blue cheese cocktail? That was uh, the best. St. Pete's Denial. Yeah. St. Pete's Denial is a blue cheese cocktail done with, um, with milk Pete's and blue, blue cheese yeah. and sugar and, vo- and not vodka. It was, um, oh. it was, uh, it was, it was, um... Angelico, yeah. and then chocolate, and it was amazing. Oh, no, I'm starting to get that headache you're talking about. I know you. Put your tongue to the top of your mouth. House. Tongue to the top of your mouth. <laughs> but, but, you know, those those times only lead to the education. Like that's what I'm saying. Like when Jeff was like, you know, you know, this is what this is how you pay respect to the animals. This is how you use everything start to finish. Like, you know, we talk about that all the time. I, I try to say it all the time to people. Like, use every piece of the garnish. Don't throw it out. Don't throw it out. But he's dealing with even something bigger. It was alive. Yeah. Yeah. And like, with plants living, yes, they're living. Like, do I believe that we should worship lettuce? I'm not sure. I'm not rerun, and this isn't what's <laughs> happening. So, um, what I'm saying is like, you really do have to pay homage to those people, though, that like do this. And like, and Nate, I feel like the respect of how he teaches the respect in his kitchens, how for everything, it's everything. Everything has a respect level. Uh, is is what's really truly like a religious experience about working with Nate. Because you really learn something different. Hallelujah. You do. You learn something different. He You're might like yell at you. Me. He, might, he might yell at you and say, hey, why didn't you do whatever? But, like, he doesn't yell at you and tell you for, because, you know, he's got someone to ego. I don't yell. I use guilt. He should have. That's it. It's true. He does use guilt. That sounds like religion. <laughs> sounds like a Catholic if you ask me. Right? But I mean it. Like, I feel like, you know, there's, there's a lot to be learned with the younger, um, you know, people coming up in the restaurant business and everybody wants to own a restaurant. They want to do all the stuff, but they want to do it so cheaply to make money. But I, I, you know, actually, I think that's universal. If you think about, like, how the world is run, that's a universal th- concept about having respect for what you do, having the passion to uh, elevate it, to follow through and make it, uh, leave it better off than you let, than you found it. I mean, all of that, that's universal thought. So quick these days, though, with all these quick, like these um, quick serve restaurants, they want to do it. So, like, you know, you see these juggernaut freight tr- trucks like sh- pulling up, and they're 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 claiming local and farm, and you know that that meat doesn't come from there, and yet they sell it to you because the advertising and the and the logo is really good, and you're sucked into it. Hey, hey, hey! That Re- resemble that comment. But I think that people <laughs> need to like learn how to be educated. I think learned how to be educated about what, where their things are coming from, so why me, something yeah. is like 50 cents more, but it has more respect in, than something that's you know, down the street. Well, also, and better for you. Let me ask you this. When you mention how things are done at other restaurants, is there is there no standard? Beyond the ones that you put on yourself, is it, when you say locally farmed, is there, is that just... There are a lot of people those, that use that term just because it's a term. Is that... I don't even know what that means. That's well, what I'm saying. Is I, that I just a the, branding the, term? Well, no. I mean, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, <laughs> it, it was different because you had to go and find those uh, farms that you wanted to work with and or did work with. And now, I think the way that restaurant, the industry has gone, has uh, led larger vendors to go and find them in order because they realized they lost a lot of business because people were going elsewhere to yeah. find their produce or uh, animals so 
now it's it's easier to come by. You know, it's like so. You know, like Gina said, there are people that take that milk it, say they're they're in that playing in that sandbox. Yeah. But then there are restaurants that really that do do it. But that's self-regulated, I guess is my point. That's not a... You have to want it. Yeah, but it's true. It's like you have to... It's a drive and a passion and everything. It's just like, you know, if I wanted to make this cocktail that Gina made, I'm going to go and find the oranges. Like You're going to go to designateddrinker.show. What is that? It's designateddrinker.show. And Gina's going to have all the pro tips and how-to for you. That sounded like two O's. Is it S-H-O-O-W? I'm from New York. It's shop. But you know what I mean? It's like chefs are, I mean, Google is amazing. You know, it's led us in so many different directions. Like, But yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna look it up and like, which which is the... I mean, I like the pithiness, but what's the orange that has the least amount of pithiness if I'm going to make it for someone who doesn't like bitter, yeah. you know? Um, and then you're just going to, like, go down this... Valencia. This path. It's true. Of, Valencia oranges have least pithy. I like Valencia oranges. Well, is They're, it because they have less rind? Uh, the yeah, white? Thinner, thinner skin. So just so that everyone knows, when they talk about the pith of an orange, that's the white yeah. piece that's in between the orange and the It's the, the heaven of it. I think it's the best part you, of the really? orange. Like, so... Yes. Oh, oh. You know what everybody doesn't know right now? What do? Nate is the man that taught me how to make limoncello. I was just going to bring that up. Oh, oh my God. Tell me. Like go. Go. Right go. Wait. No, I'm interested to in what he no. had to say. No, oh. go. I want you to start, and then I will, and then I will say what. Go. Well, no, I mean, I, I learned. Listen to uh, that wind. Woo. I know. Who would have thought it was October 2016? Yeah. <laughs> This is throwing a date out there, folks. You yeah, silly. We're we weren't even podcast then. No, we were not. I'm like, what? <laughs> were they even podcasts in 2016? I liked your face, though, your reaction. I was like, like waiting for do? the other story what? that I have no idea what's um, going on. Wait, let's talk about Lemon Child. So, so, so I'll give it to you. So, Nate. So, I was working for Nate. And then right around, like... Working with Nate. So, so. I mean, <laughs> four. It was actually four, and because when someone tells you to mop, you work for them. So we were getting ready for, um, the, the, it's like November-ish, and uh, all of a sudden, I don't even know, cases of oranges start showing, no, lemons start showing up. And I'm like, I didn't order all these, because I was in charge of the bar, right? Yeah. So I'm like, I didn't order these. And he's like, no, they're for me. And he starts, he starts peeling them. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm making lemon jello. I give this a gift every year. And I'm like, to who? And he goes, to everybody. Well, you've never made it. Aren't you Italian? <laughs> Gives me like a million guilt reasons what I'm doing. hundred things I did wrong in life. And then... I high five you on that note. So now, So then, of course, I'm intrigued. I have a million things to do. I'm probably going to get in trouble for something. Now I'm sitting there with a the, with the peeler with him, peeling the orange. I mean, the lemon, sorry. The orange is involved. So we, we're sitting there and he's telling me all about it and this is lemon child and this is the bottle he puts it in and this is the people he gives it to and it's only coveted people that get it and he makes it now and he checks it all these times and everything right? am I wrong yeah, yet? that's close yeah. close enough okay yeah. so how many so so all these days go by month goes by about right and he takes it and then he they starts blending it that's when like I fell for the for the lemon cello. I said this is probably going to be something I need to learn how to do. So do you still make limoncello? Not the way Nate does, but we do. I do. He does. I, uh, so coming back on the pith, it was like... <laughs> Full I circle, would, folks. I would peel the lemons, and then I'd pay a dishwasher to come in and work on his day off. And he would, so it's like, you'd peel it, and the faster you go, the more your peeler gets worked, you know? So, mm-hmm. like, in the beginning, you're taking no white off. And then buy your like second box, like all You're it has all the white figures. You, you just want to get done. So I had a employee come in, and he would he did this for me for like three years. Like he would just come in, and he would and like he fillet. No, he he moved home. But <laughs> he uh, he would fillet the the rind for me. He would basically take the pith off. And it uh it was amazing, but it it ends up being less sugar that you have to add in the long run. If you can get all that, the bitterness off it, then you're using essential oils and the, the rind. Oh. When you leave the pith on it, it's, you're going to add more syrup to cover up to, that. To balance yeah. that. The... So I like, I love limoncello. I love cellos in general. I've made too many over the years to... Uh, Orange is my favorite that he's made. Yeah. I like, yeah, the, my favorite is the basil. 
I had a... Ooh, that sounds delicious. I never got that one. I have some in my freezer. I guess you didn't make that. Yeah. yeah. I didn't make the shortlist. Yeah, Apparently it's not. Cool. Well, it was... I had a, <laughs> a friend who was uh, who worked on a farm, and they harvested tons of basil. And then he had uh, basil flowers, just the buds that they didn't have anything to do with. And I was like, I'll take them. So... I had plucked them all and I steeped them in grain alcohol and then just the natural sugars from the basil and then the color, it, it's like, it looks like a high C ecto cooler, yep. like from back in the 80s. The uh, color? Like fluorescent green. <laughs> you keep it in your freezer, you can like just shake it up and you can see all the goodness kind of move around. But yeah, I mean... Uh, the yield I, must be so small with that just the flowers. Yeah, but you you know you're using 100% grain, so it's you just let it sit in there. Like I think I let it sit for like 90 days. So for our listeners, um, would you guys give us a how-to? Like give us a little like how a to cello make cello recipe? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. a basic? So, yeah. yeah, like the basic. So then people can then. Well, I don't want to give my recipe. No, but just give them the basic starter no. so, so that it, they it's can make their with, own recipes. Yeah, I mean it's. I'm a believer in over 100 proof uh, for the, the alcohol, like. If you yeah. just use a hundred proof, then it's like mixing vodka with juice or uh, with rind. Uh, <laughs> but that's where you get the viscosity is when you have the hundred proof and you pull out all the essential oils and then you have your syrup added to it. You know, so it blends it. Yeah, if you are to uh, like, if you're using lemons, then I like to say that I'm going to use all aspects of the lemon. So it's like you peel it and then you can juice it and then when you're making your syrup in the end you will taste how like so I freeze my lemon juice so I don't I'm not a bartender I don't mix tons of stuff so, so you know so it, it makes me crazy right so that's fine but freezing lemon juice yeah why I just love it it takes on the freezer flavor I I cover it with saran wrap okay 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 <laughs> I cover it. <laughs> okay. It's not like it's sitting in ice cream trays uncovered, all right? Uh, like in your grandma's refrigerator? Yeah, freezer? so I'll, like when it comes time, so like now I have, I mean, that was 11 years ago or 10 years ago when Gina saw me make limoncello the first time. Now I have more calendar, calendar oriented where I started in like September. So I allow a longer period of time. And uh, so when I take it out, I can strain out the, the rind. I'll taste how sweet it is. And then I'll taste the juice and see how sweet that is. And I'll kind of control my ratio of sugar added. And then I will dilute or add water or sugar to my lemon Ooh. juice. That's so chefy. That's so chefy of you. I like. Can I use that word? You can is do that whatever okay? you want. It's your show. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you can okay. basically blurt out all the things I is say. That, is that okay? Can I, I mean, call it chefy? You, I mean, he's chefing. I mean. Kind of. But like the basil one, no. you're forced to make the syrup. Like the basil, you have to You should make come it. to New Orleans with us. Oh, you would have so much fun with us. Who? You. Mm. We should ask the listeners, should Nate and Anna come to NOLA this year with us for Tales of the Cocktail? Like, we're already tired of his voice. Don't bring him. No way. Me. I think you'd have a good time. So what is your scared favorite fun. meat to make? I mean, like, what, what have you, you done? <laughs> what is your favorite meat to make? Well, What's your favorite so, meat to use, Dee? No, I meant, like, when he makes his sausages. That's like, <laughs> what are you, God? What was your favorite meat when you were creating the earth, Nate? <laughs> On the eighth day, Nate well, I made am older than Gina, meat. So you can Nate created me. <laughs> Gina's not even drinking, guys. It's weird. It's just her natural. Uh, no way. Neil, so let me, let me if read. Neil's listening, you know I'm drinking. Okay, let me read. Rephrase. No. Let me rephrase. What is like when you're using all? <laughs> when you cut off the ark and saved all the animals, <laughs> that what no, was your favorite meat to you? Know? <laughs> what is? How about how? What's, well, I could say what's your most unique sausage, but that also yes. Is weird. Yeah, talk about that. Talk about the Anda special sausage. Go. What is it? I have no idea. I've made so many things. Would be like changing cha- or choosing my favorite child. Yes. No, I. Uh, that is what I'm I'll tell you mine. Mortadella. Oh. That's a special place in my heart. What I know. does what 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 does one do? How, what does one do to make mortadella? It's lips and assholes. Just kidding. That's, <laughs> well, that's why Gina would love it. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's actually better. Wait, tell them what's in it, and then I'll tell you the story. It's a good story. No, I have a. I mean, 
that's the other fun part about being a whole animal processor is like we use everything but it's not the there's no lips and assholes and I don't think I've ever seen I've never received bull lips before that's on uh, that movie the I movie uh, yeah. with, the, with the raccoons it, no it's yeah with uh, the great outdoors that's when, it, that's uh, it. Dan John Aykroyd, Candy yeah, yeah John Candy and Dan who's from St. Louis wow perfect no. poor guy so I know I am too well, are you really yeah alright we'll still talk uh, <laughs> just kidding uh but yeah, so we use, I mean, it's a it's 100% whole animal that we do. It's a meat to fat ratio. I'm a big believer, like mortadella should be fatty and delicious, yet it needs a stability of a lean muscle. And, so and, is that pork? Beef? Well, I mean, what is it? it's all pork. All it's pork. all pork. Most of the things I do are all pork. What's uh, the nut in mortadella? Pistachios. But yeah, so I'm, uh, I've had a lot of fun playing with the, uh, I make boatloads of hot dogs. Oh my God, so, so good. Fast um, hot dogs. Boatloads of wieners, huh? Yeah, of wieners. He used this cart and he won't use it anywhere called Frank. I do. I pulled it out two weeks ago. You did? And you in, won't do, and you won't do In the... November 2016. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this retro podcast. Uh, <laughs> No, I, but yeah, so it's been a lot of fun figuring out the ratios to, it's a lot like making cocktails is knowing the ratio of meat to fat. Like you, you need to, uh, need to know it in order to make hot dogs or emulsified meats. I mean, even sausages need to be emulsified in a way. So, but my mortadella is 60% lean and 40% fat. And it's still studded with, uh, instead of just using diced uh, pork fat, we use lardo, which is cured, unadulterated pork fat that so we uh, cure. What it do never. You mean unadulterated? Like we do nothing but cure it with salt, season huh? it with salt. Cool. We leave it on salt forever, basically. So it, it stays. Some people add oil to it and make it make it spreadable. And... Oh, is that what it happens? Yeah. So we. Uh, it never sees the light of day until the day we use it. So, I mean, literally, like, two months ago, in, I guess that would be September 2016. Uh, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> but really? I love it. We were able to use lardo that was cured in, like, 2013. Like, when we wow. moved into the production facility, or our old commissary, we had, uh, I was using just amazing pigs that were generating really great fat and uh, in, a, in a means to not throw it away or to just use it towards other things. We cured it and it takes on like over time, it just takes like the, that salt is pulling a lot of the water out of it and it becomes like a cured meat. And so usually with mortadella, you take the same type of fat, but instead of it being cured, you would you would have to uh, blanch it or drop it into boiling water and take it out and then dice it up in order to, uh, so it's more palatable and we'll slice. And we just had an abundant amount of fat that, that was cured. So Shit, I could I could sign up for that one. I got a bunch of fat. Seriously, there's there's really nothing better. <laughs> Why don't like, they just put people in in salt baths and let them lose weight that way? I mean, well then like so on that theory, while I'm at the beach, I'm just gonna keep my ass in the water. <laughs> salt. If I mean, that works. What is your favorite? You know what? I got a better question. Here. Forget the animal question. What's your favorite salt? I feel like salt's so okay, important. Okay, so Kodakino and Mortadella are my two favorite things I make. What was the first one? Kodakino. What is Kodakino? It's a skinned sausage. It's a... A skinned sausage? It's a skin sausage. Uh, one of the fun things that... I mean, Kodakino, it's a traditional Italian sausage. It's usually eaten around New Year's. Uh, and it's got... It? No, my father's from the north. Where is it from the south? It's from the north. Really? You cray, girl. Yeah. Anyways, it's, it's, uh, like, it's from like, the north. It's from Winterfell. I feel like I literally don't know anything about Italian sausage like when I sit around me sometimes. I'm like, I only eat the same well, things my father always got. It, you've had it. it, it Is it the one the, with the white, the white, it looks white on the outside? No. It's, really like, it's not a cured meat. It's a, it's a sausage. I mean, we, long story short, I don't follow a traditional recipe. Uh, I mean, I want It's something eat it. that has evolved with <laughs> With me, it's been a, a something I tasted. I really liked it. 
uh, early on, and then I just kind of kept on tinkering with it over the years. And uh, you played with your meat. I did. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I've been resisting that this entire interview. <laughs> I just became like 13 years old. I can't old. even look at me. My eyes are scarred. I have to like, I can't. Is it the, I think it's the copper, the sun in the copper cup glaring to my eyeballs. That's totally what it is. Yeah. Uh, anyways, it's just a recipe that I, I, I follow from the way I learned it. It's just I kept on doing different things to the, the skin or the other meat that's in it and I really love uh, baking spice, and that's why, I mean, it's a lot of the seasonings that go into mortadella. And it's just, it's very gelatinous and rich and delicious, and I try to find ways to get people to like it, just no one gets into it as much as I do. Yeah. So, so I gotta ask this, do you make, um, like, blood sausage oh, then? of course, yes. So, one of my favorite things yeah, but how do you eat so here's the thing what's the best way to so you get the blood sausage you make it for us how do we serve it to somebody because that is what that's when the, that's when the disconnect comes in so I uh, this comes back to my Kodakino right there is uh, I boil I don't know if I can give my secrets out oh you can just say one, whatever no uh, no so I use skin in a lot of ways for uh, to act as a protein and my blood sausage uses skin instead of using traditionally like a lot of Spanish recipes use rice or uh, sometimes they can use potatoes I use skin as my binder so the natural gelatin that comes out of skin this sounds like it like emulsifying um, like a, like a um uh, sounds like totally. Kevin. No, it's like, like using it. skin. It sounds like a, uh, what's the movie? The Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. Silence of the Lamb. Because he's using skin. You put, I the, mean, you put yeah, the lotion you, on the skin. Yeah, but when you render exactly. skin, you have this beautiful, like, it's, just, it's so, like, you can use skin and, like, but it also makes, and But the way that, like, so it's. Too. You can use lots of different skins. The Jelana Slayer, a fish. Like, move, move I love this. that I'm the professional one here, guys. Like, this is new for me. Like, Nathan is a new host. <laughs> Next week uh, <laughs> on Meet Me. <laughs> The name of this podcast is different next week, guys. All right. New URL. Yeah. All right. Meet me. Uh, <laughs> next year we should do an April Fool's and have a meet me episode. No, M-E-A-T. meet us here, Nate, and then we we'll just keep drinking and move. No, meet us here, Nate. So, but the way that once one once skin caramelizes amazingly well, which is a good way to uh, like with my blood sausage, you can re-eat it. And it caramelizes, so it. See, we just kind of went back to soft. Europe. There's things that Europeans do that I, you know, I like to think that I travel the world and I'm kind of worldly. But there are certain things that, from that kind of space, that mm-hmm. I, I really, I do become American because I'm like, blood sausage pudding, blood what? Like, mmm. All right, folks. I'm gonna tell you right now. One, this conversation's gone crazy, Tom. Yes, we've gone downhill. Let's do it. I mean, downhill. I know I'm starving. Thank God we're at Union Market. There's a red apron here. Are you going to feed us? Are you oh. hungry? Can, oh. Um, after this episode. Wait, can I say yes. it again? Can I eat your meat, Nate? Mm. <laughs> it's funny that you say this. Like, I've been at, like, my wife. Wait, it should wife, be insulted. That's funny you should no. say that. <laughs> my wife goes to multiple, I mean, she has a different life than I do, so she goes to, uh. Is she a day walker? She's a day walker. Yeah. yeah. So is but my she'll, husband. She'll go to, uh cocktail parties and someone will be like we really love your husband's meat <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's one of her favorite things to like say at other where, where I'm around and my face will turn like really red in every like, Christmas what? card <laughs> <laughs> yeah just out of nowhere this man said I really love your husband's meat <laughs> okay <laughs> so wait, I have one question I have, a, I have two questions I like yes. what is your favorite salt to use in general I don't care about like sea salt sea salt just traditional sea salt does it have to be from a certain sea the pacific ocean mm-hmm. just kidding no uh no i mean everything that every red apron recipe uses sea salt i love so that it's uh it's better it's nothing that we do is actually measured by tablespoons or cups or whatever it's all measured and it sea salt is it's a little saltier it makes it I mean, it has to be consistent. Like we use the same sea salt all the time. 
Uh, but I'm also a big believer in finishing with uh, coarse sea salt for meats. Crunch. Yeah. Love that. So. Second question. So I have a second question. What is your spirit ingredient? Oh, you got the question. This is a question Gina asks a lot of our guests. Oh, it's not just for me? No, I have. I, I like this question because I... I well, actually, I only ask people I really understand. Yeah. Like I, like, I love all our guests. But there are some people that really understand the question. And some people are just like, what are you talking about, ladies? So, <laughs> I have a... Uh, all right. So, you asked it earlier what Define my, yourself with one ingredient. Go. Fennel pollen. Nice! What was oh, that? That's so good. Fennel pollen. <laughs> Fennel good pollen. Oh. Oh, that is. Which a... makes sense in sausage, yeah? Common. No, it's so delicate and beautiful and hard to harvest. Oh, that's, See? That's you. That's the drink. Oh, I said it. He's delicate but hard to harvest. <laughs> I got a hard candy shell. All right, I just banged on the table, everybody. I'm telling you right now, that was probably my best answer I've ever had. There you go. And on that note, I'm going to, I'm going to, we're going to call it. Well, I, I have one more, though. Wait, I have one more. I have one more. You're done. Well, what no, is it? What's, your, what's your second? No, it's over, guys. We're going to call it. No, it's he's over. a designated drinker. Fine. What's your second? Lemon verbena is my other one. I mean, that's pretty good, too. I so, the So, in general, if I have a favorite spice, it would be fennel. And my two favorite strains of fennel would be, well, fennel pollen. And then a very good friend of mine, another chef, who you should have on your show is Tony Chittum. Is, uh, uh, he's in my wheelhouse, by he, the way. His wife is Greek, and they go to Greece every couple, every, maybe every year now. Uh, but he brings me back Greek fennel seeds, and they are so beautiful and aromatic and flavorful. And they look different. They do. They have a, like, a They're line. like a little nub. Yeah, and, and it has a little thing that shoots out, but it's uh, <laughs> That's true. But anyways, I I'm had such uh, a thirteen-year-old kid. He has a ton, of, a little nub that shoots out. Sorry. <laughs> well. Well, anyways. Well. Uh, this comes back to you asked earlier what my favorite, one of my favorite items to make is a Greek fennel and lemon verbena sausage. Oh, look at that! Full circle. And when Gina was working with me back in the days of Tallulah, I had a garden out in the parking lot, yeah. and we. The only thing that actually lived through every season was my lemon verbena. And, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, and anyways, lemon verbena dries beautifully. So it was able to dry it out, make a powder out of it, and then we made an awesome salami out of it. So it's one of that's so something cool. that's never left any of my Red Apron charcuterie menus. It's always available in the stores, and it's always been on my charcuterie menus. Which Mortadella and Kotakino aren't always on. <laughs> gotcha. So um, on that note, I just want to do a little housekeeping and, um, for what if you want if you want and if, what any, else, if you want any of Nate's meats. Is that's it what you I was asking trying, or the thirteen-year-old girl? Yes, that's right. I'm going to try to clear up. If you want any of Nate's meats or you want to try any of these amazing check things, check out my website. No, you're going to head over to designateddrinker.show. That's designateddrinker.show because we're going to have all of that information there for you. Hot links to go out to Nate's meat and Red Apron, <laughs> and in Virginia. It, it, it will definitely make through all your firewalls. I promise. Nathan's already left this show. He's not here. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, we have a little mezcal for you. All right. Cheers. Cheers. Mezcal in, mezcal out. My pleasure. Thank you.